Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Senior Bowl. Yeah, Senior Bowl was um, last week. It's an important part of the draft scouting process because you get uh, all these top players all in the same place at the same time and not to run around, but to actually play football and do practices and everything. It's a, an important part of... Um, you know, getting ready for the draft. And um, yeah, we've got um, some results and some people to talk about. Yeah. I know that the, uh, like the Seahawks area scout, um, you know, commented that this is a long process for them. So it starts in the fall. Obviously they're going to college games. They're looking at tape, evaluating players in that way. Then they uh, come to these uh, bowl games, the the collegiate bowl, the uh, East West shrine game and the senior bowl. It's really the first time they get a chance to go through an interview process, see these players up close. They confirm their priors, what they've seen in the fall and throughout the college season. Now they're seeing this in person. They begin that evaluation process. It goes through the combine. The combine focuses more on athletic traits. And so they confirm all that stuff. And they go through these interviews and in-person um, uh, workouts and all that stuff to compile all the information. And it's interesting, I you know, as I was kind of reading his comments about all that, I was thinking how uh, futile it is for us to do all these mock drafts because we're really we're doing all of those mocks with about 50% of the total information needed to evaluate these prospects adequately. And yeah, but make no mistake, we're going to do the mocks anyway. <laughs> of course, of course, because they, because they're fun. <laughs> yes, of course, you know. But but you know, fifty percent of the evaluation process is the mental side of this game, and yeah. we just don't have access to that. And nobody does except for front offices, uh, general managers, area scouts, both pro and, and collegiate scouts. They all get mm-hmm. together. They have massive meetings all the time. They really get into the nuts and bolts of who a person is in addition to what they can do on the field to see if they fit the culture and to see if that prospect is going to work his ass off or is he, is he going to be uh, not, not a hard worker and, and won't fit into the culture and, and into the roster. And so it's, it's very interesting. I just find the whole thing fascinating and always have, I've started following the draft really fairly closely in the late eighties. Um, and have just continued on uh, every every year since. And I've always wished I had access to some of that really proprietary, team proprietary information that never really gets out. Nobody leaks that kind of stuff unless you hear somebody saying, well, he's got character issues or this or that or the other. And, and you never really know exactly where that's coming from. But anyway, uh, getting lost a little bit off track uh, senior bowl wise, um, we had talked about this, the last show in that the week of practice is really where 
you gather the most intelligence uh, for different prospects uh, throughout the week. And then the game, while it's interesting and entertaining, uh, most of the work is already done by them. Yeah. Most of the scouts leave um, Friday afternoon. Once the practices are done, they don't stick around for the game. So you look at the game and you have all these stats and you can look at it, but if the NFL is not using it to evaluate um, the players, I always have a hard time taking it seriously. I mean, like I know that the reason the senior bowl exists is for the week of practices and letting coach coaches and scouts get in there and work with guys. So I did watch the game um, somewhat uh, passively. I think um, I, I watched different plays and, and uh, generalities uh, that I came uh, away from in the game. I thought it was a mixed bag on the quarterbacks. Uh, the player that you liked most at quarterback in this game, uh, actually Jake Hayner won the MVP award. Uh, really, it was a limited uh, role, 12 of 19 passing for 139 yards, had a great touchdown uh, pass to Stanford's Michael Wilson, which uh, was one of the favorite prospects that emerged for me out of the Senior Bowl week. Um, I thought the offensive line played well overall, better than maybe the defensive line. Now, during the week, uh, on the one-on-ones, the defensive line guys were kind of taking advantage and, and using some speed to to make some plays. Uh, but overall, I thought the units worked well together and the defensive line really didn't have a lot of impact in this game. So like Nick Broker, uh, the offensive third, I thought played well. I think Seattle will have him on uh, their radar in the third, fourth round kind of uh, player. Nick Salbert uh, DeBerry, uh, I thought played well and also played uh, a little bit at the center position. Cody Mock, I think really helped him. Uh, himself out. He was kind of a smaller school, I think North Dakota State uh, offensive tackle in college, but as he transitions into the pros, he's going to kick inside. He's got shorter arms um, and uh, not quite as tall as you want to have out on the edge. And so he spent a lot of time this week playing at right tackle. Uh, However, he played also at offensive guard and at center where I thought he excelled really, really well. And it kind of suits him uh, in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, particularly at center, I thought was intriguing to me um, and might be on the radar for Seattle in that particular role. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. to see what prop bets will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, um, looking at the at the week kind of in, in totality, um, there's some guys that really uh, made you kind of take notice. Um, defensive tackle... Uh, Keanu Benton um, out of Wisconsin is a guy yeah. that won with speed. He won with power, um, looked like a three tech, you know, pass rusher um, and probably saw his, you know, your, people were talking about him as a, 
you know, a third or fourth round pro- prospect. Now he's probably early round two, um, just based on what was going on there. And, and someone who honestly, um, the Seahawks should be looking at because he's the type of guy who you can put uh, on the defensive line and get some of that interior pass rush pressure, which they don't have and need. So um, now he's not going to be look, being looked at as a first round player, but you know, maybe one of those two second round picks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. There was a, there was a few guys that participated in practice, but didn't play in the game. Keon white, I think was the, was the big name out of that group. Uh, I thought um, really helped himself solidified himself. I should say. Uh, during the week, I think uh, area scouts and uh, front offices are well aware of Keon White, um, and it's just us uh, on on the back end, the pundits and and guys that uh, watch the draft are kind of catching up with him. I think he's going to be a name to watch uh, now um, in the first round, probably for him. Um, at a, I'm going to try to say this name, Adabawari. Adabawari, I think is his name. Uh, didn't play. Tank Dell, wide receiver, smaller stature guy, probably not on Seattle's radar, didn't play, but he's he's a big name in this game. Will McDonald, another edge rusher, uh, linebacker type, uh, didn't play. Uh, Rasheed Rice and, and Isaiah Foskey as well. Uh, players that might be on Seattle's radar. Uh, Rasheed Rice, one of the top five or six wide receivers in this draft. Isaiah Foskey is a is a guy that's probably going to end up going in the second round, uh, more of a four three five tech type of player. I think um, well suited to to stop the run. He's he's known for that. Um, yeah, You're interesting. Running through names faster than I can keep up. But, oh, I know. Um, Rashawn Johnson uh, is the other guy that didn't play. Broke his hand early in the week in practice. Yeah. Only ran through like two or three plays in practice. Broke his hand. Ended up sitting out the rest of the week. So. Um, did you mention Cincinnati linebacker uh, Ivan Pace? I did not. He had a great game. He had a well. He had a great week of practice, and he's a guy that people took notice of. Um, known for being physical, getting up at the line of scrimmage and making plays, uh, being a solid tackler. Uh, and then he had a good. He had a good game too. Uh, showed up uh, several times. Kind of stood out as being you know one of the more elite players there. Um, definitely with with the Seahawks looking at. Uh, linebacker being, you know, middle linebacker being one of the problems last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely someone that the Seahawks should be looking at, but I don't know if they're going to take linebacker as early as they would need to to get him. I don't know. I mean, when you really take a look at it, um, and we're going to have a roster building show this week as well. Uh, when you take a look at it, Keith, and um, uh, our guy, our main guy has got an ACL and and is likely not ready for the season to begin. May may show up, you know, mid season, uh, basically. Um, I think that it's it's a it's likely that we address that position now. Cody Barton as well, free agent. We don't know if he's coming back. They mm-hmm. may rebuild this entire thing, uh, and it may end up being through the draft or or I think potentially uh, free agency. Uh, at least one guy to be able to come in and um, solve that problem well, might, or at least help. It might be both, right? If, if Barton's gone and Brooks is hurt, then, you know, you need two middle linebackers in this defense and um, you know, they could probably do one of each is go get a, a, a draft pick, a, a player that can play um, mm-hmm. there and then also get a player that uh, in free agency. And so you've got both um, there. And then when uh, Brooks is back, then you have the, 
you know, problem of how to get three good players on the field in two positions. And that's not a bad problem to have. Yeah. And there's some good middle linebackers in this, in this draft in the first three rounds. I think Seattle's going to get a get good value. Now I don't know that it's necessarily going to come in the first round. I don't know that the value, um, yeah, that position is there for them, depending on the way the draft falls. But second, third round definitely have an impact, especially when you've got five picks in the top 100. Um, yeah, it, you know, this this game, it was just kind of a sleeper. I mean, there was good play from a couple of cornerbacks. Um, I thought that the uh, interception um, returned, well, I'm trying to look for his name right now, uh, Anthony Johnson uh, Jr., uh, who I like in this draft actually is a player with uh, with size and length and speed uh, at corner um, had a, had a really nice uh, interception and return for a touchdown uh, in this game. Um, other than that, I thought the defense was somewhat vanilla and um, nobody really completely stood out for me. I was looking for some of those Ed rushers, the the kid from Army Carter um and a couple of players that that didn't end up playing and i just thought that i was hoping for a little bit more standing out um and i i didn't see it i just didn't see it hall uh the running back played well especially in the first quarter uh when when his side of the ball came out and, and really wanted to run the ball and establish that um he he ended up running hard and and looked good doing it um, you mentioned Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I thought he played well there in the middle. Um, and, and there was one other, oh, um, D'Alen Henry, uh, Henley from Washington state, the linebacker, I thought played well, Illinois safety, Sidney Brown, I thought, um, played decent as well. Other than that, on the, on the defensive side, I just didn't see anything, you know, during practice. Yes. There were a few standout plays and so forth, but it's just talking in the game. I just didn't really see anything And on the offensive side on both sides. I, I mostly noticed the offensive line play and, um, you know, where I thought they played really well. I thought the, the players that I was looking for to play well on the interior of the offensive line really stood out to me. And I think, that's that aligns with where Seattle, I think, is going to be looking in this draft too. The yeah, interior of both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. and I thought Nick Broker helped himself out in that regard, being able to play a couple of different positions. Um, Nick Salvadervi uh, played well as as well and, and took snaps at center. Cody Mock again, I think, is is an underrated player out of this draft, um, and that's where I was I was focused. Yeah, I mean the the uh, the offensive line is usually one of those positions that struggles at the Senior Bowl because it's just easier for the um, defenders to win with athleticism than to have a cohesive group of guys that can work together the way an offensive line has to with one week of practice. Um, but this year it seems to kind of be the other way around. The offensive line really uh, looked good. There's a lot of um, high-end talent at the senior bowl at the, at the mm-hmm. position. So ended up working um, pretty well. The other, um, I mean, like you want to talk about uh, Stanford uh, wide receiver, um, Michael Wilson, a guy that most people aren't thinking of because of the fact he plays for Stanford and they've been terrible and he was hurt a lot, but he, he looked lot, really good. Which is a concern for me. I mean, you kind of have to look at medicals on, on that sort of a player. The other guy that I thought, um, played well in this game. There was there was two tight ends. Durham from Purdue. I thought played well. 
And then during the week, mostly, I had a couple catches in the game, but Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, everyone was talking about him because they didn't really have uh, information on him. Only two games played in 2022, but he's got all the athletic upside that you're looking for in a pass-catching tight end in the NFL. Um, really helped himself. Yeah, I saw a quote that had an anonymous scout. You know, those are always awesome. But it mentioned um, uh, uh, Musgrave as a potential multi-year All-Pro. Wow. Like that's that's what they they said that that's where his potential is because he's just the way he runs and that his fluidity that to run yeah. at that size um, is a guy that just is not going to be uh, coverable even at the next level. And everyone's talking about Michael Mayer and the draft as being, you know, a top 10 uh, talent-wise, positional value-wise. He may end up lasting a little longer, you know, down into the 20s or so. But Musgrave's just right up there as well as far as bringing value to a team in a pass-catching role. Now, I don't know too much about where he's at as far as um, his his inline blocking ability and stuff, but that's not what you're going to ask him to do in the NFL. True. Um, and. You know, I mean, that's. I mean, a guy that size, at, yeah, at, at two sixty five, running a four in the four fours. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy and to cow. do it flu- and to do it fluidly. This isn't like straight line speed. This is someone who runs kind of like a wide receiver and is very fluid and is going to run away from linebackers. Um, is going to be bigger than any safety or corner, um, and is just he's going to present massive uh, problems for um, opposing defenses. So I was, I was going to point out one game for uh, one play for you um, and then talk about the size factor. So you had mentioned Ivan Pace out of Cincinnati linebacker. Um, Mm -hmm. He blew up that one play. I don't know if you remember um, where he kind of ran into Osiris Torrance, the 337 pound guard and blew up the play and, and, blew Torrance back into the into the spot where he also self-tackled his own running back in the back in the backfield. Um and Pace was the guy that blew him up. But um Pace is 5'10, 231 pounds with sub 31 inch arms. So mm-hmm. as far as being on Seattle's radar, uh, I don't know if that happens. But it's interesting that a that a player just came in and, and kind of blew that up. Yeah, I mean it is, but the you, as soon as you're going through and you say the short arms, I'm like, uh, not that he doesn't mean he's not going to be a productive NFL player, but the Seahawks under Carolyn Schneider have had measurables that they won't go under. Now they've changed some of them. They went um, shorter with at cornerback for a couple of years, but they seem to have gone in the other direction the last year, and it worked out for them. Was they got two out of their top three corners in the draft. Um, so maybe they're going back on that, but other other positions where they just have non-negotiables. And uh, I know it's weird for people to think about that arm length and, you know, the difference a quarter of an inch can make. And, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. who cares? Um, but there are non-negotiables um, for Seattle and uh, anything, you know, under like 32 um, or 32 and a half at, at, yeah. um, at yeah. on the offensive line, it's, it's interesting in these in these games you have to be careful at the senior bowl because there's a lot of undersized players that that, that ended up getting invites and, and uh, being value players especially for special teams in the you know fifth sixth seventh 
a guy like Isaiah Hand or Land is a player like that. Undersized, 6'3", 226 pounds. He's an edge rusher. Uh, that's not really a fit in the NFL for a lot of teams. Um, Jackson State's Aubrey Miller had a really nice play in this game. Uh, blew a play up, but he's 5'11", 229 pounds. That's essentially no room for growth there. He's 5'11", 229. You can't add pounds onto that. So you you either you know drop a little bit of weight or whatever and you transition into a strong safety role in the NFL or or that's it. You're, you're not playing linebacker at that size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, the other alternative is to um, try and, and put on weight and move get yourself up another seven, eight pounds without losing... Um, you know, your speed and agility and that kind of stuff. And you might and, be able to play middle linebacker, maybe. Y- yeah. I mean, th- that's what I mean. Like you have, you, you have options, but you're looking at, a, at just, you're a guy without a position. And so uh, you're become a special team standout and a, um, you know, backup, or you have to try and, you know, learn a new position and alter your body slightly. Uh, the NFL is weird. In, in that so there are guys that are just that look great at college and whatever and then they just never really get a chance at the pros because they don't fit the prototypes that the nfl wants um for each for their defenders so i thought you know one of the things that we want to kind of do here especially tailored to seahawks fans is to talk about a few players that will be on seattle's radar i thought out of this game i i thought running back evan hall the guy that uh, didn't end up playing Rashawn Johnson, I think is a prototypical kind of mm-hmm. uh, NFL back for Seattle at 5'11", 225 pounds, has good speed, has a ton of yards from scrimmage, not just running the ball, but also catching the ball out of the backfield, 2,600 um, yards from scrimmage, 26 touchdowns over four seasons in a backup role, essentially, to be John um, Johnson. And... Um, or Bijan Robinson, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's, this player is one of the most intriguing players for me because I do know Seattle needs to address this. And we may sign Penny back, uh, but he's oft injured and he's we, we can only depend on him maybe for like eight games, right? Really? Mm-hmm. That's all he's ever played is eight games um, in a, in a and season. And that's, a, that's, I mean, I guess he played in more um, in 2021 but most of those, not most of a bunch of those, he was ineffective. It was the last five games where he was really good. Mm-hmm. And that got everyone excited for how good he could be. Correct. Um, yeah. And he started the season off really pretty well this year. Yeah. This year he did. Um, the He was, uh, he looked really good. Like there was a reason why he was the starter. And, um, but he made it through two games. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you do? Yeah. So you sign him for a, a vet minimum. Sure. Bring him into camp. Let him compete. If he's available, he's, he's, he helps the team. Um, the problem with players like this is you're holding a roster spot for that. And two, um, you, you haven't really solved the problem of having two viable running backs that you can depend on during your season. Now we saw Ken Walker was, was viable. I think he was injured a couple of different games. Yes but he was also carrying the the primary load every game. And so we do need a, another player there at that position. 
And I don't think that uh, prioritizing that and drafting a player high like Bijan um, Robinson is is the is the key there. But finding a guy in the middle rounds that can carry some of that load would be ideal. And a player like Rashawn Johnson out of Texas, to me, is the prototypical kind of back that I would like to see Seattle invest in. A guy that runs with power uh, and and force and can get between the tackles for you and give um, a player like Walker um, a series or two off every game. You're on mute, Keith. Of course, I am. Um, so, <laughs> the I've um, been been kind of keeping an eye on and, and really liking is uh, Evan Hall out of Northwestern. Um, mm-hmm. He at 214 pounds, not quite as big as I think what you're looking for, but he runs decisively, runs downhill, um, and has you know some short area quickness to make guys. Um, not be able to square him up and and so he's always falling forward and he had more uh yard rushing yards in on the first drive of the game than anyone else had in the in the rest of the game entirely um so he had 41 on that drive no one else had more than 40 uh overall as the rushing yards in a game um he ended up with 74 rushing yards almost twice as much as anyone else in this game um but ultimately like this is a guy who the offense at Northwestern was kind of terrible um, just all around, but he had uh, almost 1500 scrimmage yards um, last year and had 21 touchdowns. So a guy that was productive without talent around him uh, runs hard, runs downhill, always falls forward. Um, Yeah. Just one of those guys that if Seattle wants to continue running the ball inside a lot, and, and running that inside zone, they need a guy who can run between the tackles. And um, Hull's kind of one of those guys that has impressed me with his ability to do that. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the kid from Stanford at wide receiver, there were two other wide receivers that impressed me this week. Um, Rasheed Rice, I think, is going to be on Seattle's radar. Seattle uh, has been trying to solve the third wide receiver uh, position for a long time, and it'd be really beneficial for me <laughs> as a fan for Seattle to solve that this year, um, give our quarterback another weapon in our offense um, and have a real stability there at that position would be nice. And a guy like Rasheed Rice that runs re, uh, precise routes, uh, has decent size, really decent speed would be good. And the other guy I thought in this um, senior bowl that, that helped himself, and I'm going to butcher his last name probably, but was Andrea uh, Osivas. Um, 6'3", 205 pounds, speed for days. Uh, he's reported to be able to run a 4-2-2 40-yard dash. He holds the NCAA indoor uh, record in the 60-meter um, at 6.71 seconds, which is blistering. And mm-hmm. it, and apparently, you know, the commentary out of the Senior Bowl was that this guy had the most fluid hips uh, in addition to running precise routes and could beat you over the top and could also get underneath as well. Um, that really painted him to me. And as a small school guy at Princeton, so you're going to have to work on him as, as far as routes, route trees. I don't know where he's at on his development overall in mm-hmm. that respect, but you can't teach this kind of speed. And, and at 6'3", the size, um, he could be a sleeper. 
Yeah, the size-speed combination is really intriguing there. Um, and again, I mean, it's Princeton. I I can't honestly say I've seen this kid play. I haven't, I haven't either. Um, I haven't. But, but I do know when you talk about sprinters and guys that are track athletes and they post these great times, they tend to be straight-line runners. They tend to be guys that they have one route that they do well, and that's the, you know, the nine route where they just go straight yeah. down the field. Um, and granted, there's some value there because you can stretch the defense, you pull the safeties back, that kind of stuff. Um, but, but, but if a guy can get in and out of breaks, but if the guy has, you can teach hits, routes. Yeah, you can teach routes. And the other part there with his hands, you, can he catch the ball? Because, you know, that's, um, you know, the, the CX had one of those guys uh, on the roster this year. Um, Drake is it Drake young, right? Um, the seventh round pick who has the speed and height and, and all of that, but he couldn't catch the ball. He dropped everything in the preseason ended up, you know, not very much on playing the time. And then, yeah. but then he, he actually worked his way back and, and got some, um, some runs, uh, on end arounds and got a couple catches at the end of the season. So guy that, you know, one of those things that I think we need to look at going forward is maybe a breakout player next year, a guy that could, could take that role, but, <clears throat> sorry anytime you can go and get another another weapon that's you can never have enough weapons uh, on offense especially big tall guys who run really fast and put a lot of pressure on the defense because um you look what they do to to dk metcalf right they, they're double and triple teaming him and if you can put someone on the other side who can do similar things even if they're not as good but they can do similar things and stretch the defense back uh that means you can't put that safety and just put them directly on Metcalf because otherwise the corner is going to get beat and Seattle is going to get a long touchdown. So it, it helps everyone if you can, um, if you have another guy like that. So, and if, and if you, you know, if you're building this roster correctly, you're looking for um, Tyler Lockett's, you know, you just are. Yep. Tyler Lockett's expensive. At some point you're going to have diminishing returns. Now he's come off three straight thousand yard seasons, obviously. Uh, but at some point, that position could be susceptible. You're putting all your eggs in, in essentially two baskets, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. If one of those players goes down, there's nothing else there. We're scrapping the, the pile uh, out on the street to bring in a wide receiver that's going to be able to to help us out mid-season if something should happen. It'd be nice and to have one of those happened. guys on the roster. That's what happened at the end of the year, right? When um, Lockett got hurt and it was just the Metcalf show and the offense struggled. Right, because they didn't have anyone else to come in and pick up the load. Like, I mean, Penny Hart's clearly not the guy. He, two years in a row, has gotten a bunch of snaps and done nothing with it. Um, you know, Goodwin looked good at times, but he was hurt down the stretch too, and so they didn't have him when they needed him. They just need to go restock. You know, the rest of the depth chart uh, at that position. So, if uh, you know, give me a preview, if you will of your roster building strategy around this position. If you're the Seahawks general manager, what do you do in, in, in several years now running, we've gone out to the, um, the free agency bargain bin and picked up a guy that can just come in and pick up 25 catches, 300 yards, a few touchdowns, nothing more. We've also drafted at the back end of the draft, not really looking for other than DS grades, it didn't turn out. I guess that's maybe, where I mm -hmm. think Seattle tried to solve this and just didn't yep. work. So what would you do? Would you go free agency? Would you look in the draft? What I, do we need I'm, to do? I'm looking at a draft pick at this point it, because of what you said with uh, Lockett. Now, Lockett's been um, very quietly like a top 15 receiver in the entire NFL. 
um, for the last three years. He was a little, had a little bit of a, uh, he wasn't as good coming in um, in part because, you know, he, like every wide receiver needed some work and then he got hurt, broke his leg and, and missed um, a chunk of a year. But once he settled in uh, into that role, he's been fantastic, but um, he's getting a little older. And as a guy who wins with quickness, not necessarily speed, um, that's a, something that, that continues to translate as he gets older, but the injury problem also only gets worse as you get older. And so having a guy that they draft that they cre- can create a three-man rotation with where you've got three um, uh, you know, elite receivers that over the next you know three years, you see that third one slowly take over more and more reps from Lockett um, sets you up to make that transition. I do think they need to draft a... Uh, a player that can enter into that role. And it's not like, oh, you know, Lockett's, they need to, you know, they're going to draft Lockett's replacement and get rid of him. No, we're talking about like a three-year transition, um, you know, but you've got to have more than, you got to have more than two guys because if one of them gets hurt, then you've only got one receiver. And we saw how well that didn't work this year. You've got to have more than two guys that can catch the ball. All right. How about, um, on the defensive side, Keith, Keon White obviously is the marquee player that was on the defensive side of the ball in this senior bowl, but mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Foskey is a, a guy that can stop the run, also uh, affect the, the pass rush as well from Notre Dame. Nick Hampton from App- Appalachian State, a smaller school guy, but is 6'3", 235 with 34-inch arms, helped himself out a little bit in this uh, draft, I thought. Um, you mentioned yeah, Ivan chance- Pace, but he's he's got the short arms. Anytime you've got a guy who from Appalachian State or, um, you know, University of Texas San Antonio, um, that's right. a that's a that's a callback to uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah, but anytime, Tariq Wollin, Tariq Wollin. or yeah, that's sorry, that's right. Um, but any, anytime that you've you've got guys from these little schools that can come out here and show that they can play with you know the guys from the SEC and the Pac-12. Uh, th- that's when you get a guy who no one's talking about and you see on muck drafts as like a seventh round pick suddenly become a third round pick. And then after the combine, now, now, okay, now they're a late round one. Right. 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 All mean, of a sudden you, they've got speed for days and you're going, oh my gosh, this yeah, is length, it, speed. And it has, and honestly, the player's not actually moving up draft boards that fast because the NFL knows about them. Yes. Uh, it's just that, the media people, guys like us, uh, guys that do all the mock drafts, that kind of stuff, have not watched Appalachian State. Um, and so they just see a guy, see his, his, right. his production, his size, and go, okay, you know, he's an NFL, probably an NFL player. We'll put him down here at like the um, set or the 29th. Well, here's, here's his stat. Here's his stats. Those are crazy stats. So if you do this uh, at Michigan, uh, you would be on everyone's national radar as the number one pick. He did it at Appalachian State. Over 46 career games, racked up 175 tackles, 40 tackles for loss, 26 and a half sacks, 11 passes defensed, seven forced fumbles, 134 quarterback pressures, and 101 run stops. Um, that's a lot of production. <laughs> and no matter that's how you how you cut it, right? That's a that's an that's a um, a power five player, like a caliber player playing at Appalachian State. Right, right. 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 Um and so that and that's but that's also part of, you know, one of the difficulties that you look at is like okay, um 
that's a lot of production and everything, but he hasn't had to go up against, right. um, you know, big time talent right. down in and down out for an entire so what, game. Remind me, Keith, so, and you may not remember, but there was a defensive end that Seattle drafted way back. I'm talking 25 years ago. That was from a small school um, that that just washed completely because, he, he, you know, on paper he was great. But I guess he, as you're talking about Lamar King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where was he from? Wasn't he from uh, like Appalachian State or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, he's from from a, from a tiny little school. Lamar and, King. And this yes. was um, this was proof that Mike Holmgren was a great coach but a terrible GM because he drafted uh, King in the first round. Said, you know, he's like a 290 pound defensive end. Said he's he can win with speed. He can win with power. He's like everything that you'll ever want uh, at a defensive end. And then he did literally nothing in the NFL and just could not handle the grind of playing against good players. Yeah. Um, right. And yeah. Um, yeah. So you got to be wary. I mean, so a, a flyer on Nick Hampton from Appalachian state in the fifth or sixth round is one thing to, to elevate this guy into some world beater and in, in put him into the second round or something is just not going to happen. Uh, but he's yeah, a nice that's... profile, six, three, two thirty five, mm. 34 inch arms. He's got nice pass rush, rush moves, active hands, bend, beats blockers off the edge, et cetera. But to do it against the premier uh, offensive tackles and, and guards in the NFL is another thing. Well, yeah, and it, it's like just because they've got the skills doesn't mean that they um, – I mean, if you've been winning because you are you know, a man among boys, um, right. then, then going out and – Hafting to play against elite players who some of them are just flat out better than you and to do it down after down after down. Some guys just fade in that. And I'm not saying this guy will. We don't know. Uh, we won't know until he gets a chance to play in the NFL for a while. But um, some guys just do. And it's hard to make that transition from Appalachian State to the NFL. So a few players for Seahawk fans to kind of keep on their radar, maybe do their own homework on would be um, cornerbacks, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, mm -hmm. Julian Brents, uh, the corner out of Kansas state. I understand had a great um, senior bowl week um, at six, four, 202 pounds. Um, I think he probably helped himself a little bit in this Um in this draft, I don't know that he moved up from day three to a day two pick, but a guy that's got length and, and speed is always coveted at that position. Uh, Jamie Robinson, a little shorter in the arms, but he's an active player at the safety position. I think teams will uh, fall in love with um, uh, Chris Rodriguez, the running back at 5'11", 224 pounds. I didn't particularly see him. I mean, he had a couple plays, but I didn't see him really running with authority. It didn't seem to have the body type that was an enforcer kind of a player, even at that size. So it'd be interesting to see him uh, and how he's evaluated. What combine. do you think about um, Ty J Spears out of Tulane? At he's back? just so small to me, Keith. I just don't know what to think. He's a guy that he is small, but he's so quick. And yeah. Uh, what do, know, what do you mean, do with that? What do you do with that in the NFL, Keith? Well, the CX have had Travis Homer on their roster for what feels like a decade. Um, and he's the same type of guy. But I think like, that Spears like is five, more ten, more athletic. Five, ten, 205. I mean, how, what is Spears at? Wait, I what, actually is he at 186 or something like that? 
I thought he was at like 195, but that okay. may be just. Um, I don't yeah. have his numbers right in front of me, but yeah, that would freak me out a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, you talk about a, a change of pace guy, and that's great. And that's kind of where he would fit in the NFL a kick returner, punt returner, change of pace, uh, receiving out of the backfield kind of a guy. You really have to carve your niche uh, as, as yeah, a player you, like that because you're not going to you run every, you're not going to be an every down player in the NFL. No, you, you better learn how to pass block and pick up a blitz and be able to uh, read what's going on and be able to routinely. Um, block a linebacker who's coming in because you're going to be a third down back. That's kind of, that's, that's what your options are. If Seattle were to draft Michael Wilson, six, one and a half, 216 pounds, most impressive wide receiver at the senior bowl. And if Seattle spent a third round pick on him, would you be a hater? No. Even though he's doesn't have production in college and has been hurt a little bit. I mean, he you know, seems he like have- a good fit for Seattle. You know who didn't have production in college and turned out to be all right? DK Metcalf. Yeah. And so, okay. well, Luckett had a lot of production um, at K State. But yeah, I mean, sometimes, the, especially at wide receiver, what's the quarterback situation look like? What's the running game situation like? How bad's the offensive line? Can you, does your quarterback have time? for you to get more than three route or three steps into a route before they're getting sacked. Um, like there's so many different factors as far as production at wide receiver that are out of the wide receivers control that make me, um, I don't know. I'm not as I'm, I, I, I'm not a stat sheet guy when it comes to evaluating wide receivers. I just don't think it's that important. Interesting. So a few other players to watch. Jonathan Mingo, I thought, helped himself out at the wide receiver spot a little bit at six one and a half, two 226 pounds, big body wide receiver. Devontae uh, Tavian Wicks, um, a big, big guy. Uh, Michael Schmitz, the six three and a half, three 305 pound um, interior offensive lineman that uh, plays center. Um, 32 and three quarter inch arms, so 33 inch arms. That's a perfect prototypical center size. Um, and and I would have to imagine it would be on Seattle's radar. I just don't know where you would have to. You know, would you have to get him at 120 or trade back from 120 to 127 or something like that? Or not 120 uh, pick first round, 120 uh, yes. overall, or the yep. 27th pick? Or would you find him in the second round? Or, or would, it, would he last that long, Keith? I don't know. Um, I need to, like... I'm thinking that he's probably he's a guy that you if you traded back from uh, the 20th pick overall in the first you know so you're in the first round back to like 27 like that's I think that's the kind of the range if you're trying to expect him to get to that uh, first pick, pick. In, yeah, yeah. In the, the first pick that you've got in round two uh, I don't know I don't think he's going to be there yeah interesting is there any other player uh, out of this uh, senior bowl that that you think might be a Seahawk fit? Um, I know you mentioned him, uh, but, um, Dayon Henley, uh, the linebacker out of Washington state mm-hmm. is a guy that, um, he's really active and he's fast and he's quick. And the big question was how would he do again in coverage? Because, um, at Washington state, there was a lot of, you know, here attack downhill, either go make a play on a running back or go get after a quarterback. And he did those things really well, but they had him in coverage a lot 
this last week and he looked surprisingly good like without any um concerns whatsoever and he's the type of guy that honestly you could put him in the middle and i don't think you're going to need a first or second round pick to get him he's basically to me a um a quicker um and faster version of um you know what they've already got at middle linebacker so uh yeah. And so I, I think that he could be a guy, if you can get him in the fourth round and um, drop him in there, that would be a steal. Yeah. And and one of the things I think Seattle's going to try to do too, I think they've got their corners that they, um, obviously, mm-hmm. but they, they may be looking to fill out that room. There's a few prospects I thought in the senior bowl that I really liked as far as having the, the size and, and, measurables that seattle likes over 32 inch arms etc anthony johnson had that pick he's 207 uh with 32 and 7 h arms darius rush um rejon wright julius brents uh jl skinner at safety at 6'4 211 pounds with 32 and a half inch arms that guy's going to be on seattle's radar i didn't yeah. particularly took note uh took note of him uh in practice or at the game. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how impressive he was there, uh, but, but we should find out for sure. But yeah, I mean, I would look at, um, at cornerback late, um, a, a developmental player, a, uh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a Jeremy Lane type that you can get late in the draft and develop over a couple of years because they're yeah. four deep at cornerback right now. You've got your two starters, you've got your, um, uh, you've got, um, Bryant and Brown, uh, Mm-hmm. Are both young players on rookie deals there as your your third and fourth and who knows which order that's going to be but you're you're four deep at cornerback right now uh with experienced guys who've got a lot of playing time um and so you don't need to go spend a, a draft pick on one uh go ahead and wait and get a guy that's that's got the physical attributes to be great but is raw and uh go teach them yeah interesting all right let's get out of here for this show we're going to come back later this week and do uh a roster building uh exercise for the seahawks what would we do uh, if Mm -hmm. we were trying to build this thing out um you can find keith on twitter at myers nfl i'm at nwc hawk uh when you find the show at seahawks playbook podcast uh make sure you hit that subscribe button that really helps us make sure you get those shows into your uh feed every week we do three shows a week sometimes two, but usually three. And uh, we love this time of the year. If you want all the draft coverage, all the prospect coverage through the NFL draft at the end of April, make sure you tune us in because we'll have all of that. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.